Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hey, we are so glad that you guys are here. If you do me a favor, go ahead and grab a seat. Hey, while you're grabbing a seat, I want to say a very special welcome to all those people watching online. Can we give it up for all the people who tune in each week to watch us online? We're glad to have you a part of your, our extended church family. Um, if you're new here and you don't know me, my name is Noah. I'm one of the pastors here. And we're just thrilled that you spent part of your weekend with us. You could be anywhere else, but you're here this morning. We're glad that you're here at church. Hey, here in just a few minutes, uh, Pastor Rick is going to be up with today's message. But before we do that, I'm going to ask the ushers to come and we're going to take some time and we're going to give together. We give here at Christ Community every week because we, our church family believes in being generous. And uh, it's because of your generosity that we not only get to do things here at the church, but we also get to make an impact on our community and also an impact around the world. So I just want to stop and say thank you to everyone who gives here faithfully. Thank you for giving here faithfully. We really do appreciate it. If you're new and you want to start giving, maybe you've never given at a church before, um, they're going to throw up a couple different ways that you can give here at Christ Community. One of the most popular ways you can give is to give using that text to give number. In fact, you can text any amount to the number 84321. And uh, that's one of our most popular ways to give right now. So if you would like to do that. Um, but while, uh, while we get ready to give, if you have your tithes and offering in your hand, uh, would you hold them in your hand? We're gonna pray over them. Father, we thank you. Thank you for bringing us here today. God, it's because of the price that you paid by sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us, that we're able to give back to you. God, we pray that you bless every giver here today, that God, you bless their family's finances. God, you bless, you bless their personal finances. God, we thank you for everything that you're doing here. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hey, we have a lot of stuff coming up here at Christ Community. In fact, we're in a great season. Spring has finally come around the corner. It started to feel a little bit warmer outside, and uh, we're getting ready to hop into a busy summer season here at Christ Community. And one of the things that we're going to do this summer that might be a little bit different uh, than what we're used to is that we're going to start... Uh, with community groups. This is just a small group of people who meet together uh, once a week and uh, just have some time to form community. You know, we're called Christ Community Church. Community is our middle name. So let's, uh, let's form a community. And that's what these community groups are all about. In fact, we're getting ready to launch community groups here the 1st of June. But before we can launch groups, we need your help. Maybe you, you have an idea for a community group, or maybe you want to lead a community group. We would love to see you right after service back in the chapel. Uh, we're having a community group leadership training. And uh, man, if you're just interested in leading a group, if you have any interest at all, I would encourage you to join us right after service. We need all kinds of people to lead all kinds of different groups. Maybe you already have a group and you just don't know it. Maybe you meet together with some people every week and, uh, and you just go out to eat once a week. That is your community group. Maybe you meet somebody for coffee. Maybe you do a book study with some people. Um, those are all great ideas for community groups. Man, if anybody has a miniature golf community group, I would like to join that community group. So give me some ideas if anybody wants to lead a group. Um, but we would love for you guys, if you have any ideas or would have any interest in leading a group, meet us right after service back 
and the chapel. Another thing that's coming up right away is the National Day of Prayer. If you're interested uh, in coming to this event, it's actually at the Davis McCann Center on May 3rd at noon. So National Day of Prayer is coming up. Also, another exciting thing that's coming up um, if, that happens in the summer is VBS. How many of you have ever been involved with a VBS? Hey, VBS is a fun time. Hey, if you're interested in volunteering again this year, we're having a volunteer meeting that is going to be right after service, and that is on May the 6th, the first Sunday of May. Uh, meet us in the Community Kids Elementary Room for that. If you're just interested at all on being involved with VBS, uh, come join us for that. Uh, we would love to see you there. Another thing that's happening right away is that maybe you're new here to Christ community and maybe you don't know what your next step is. Maybe you came on Easter or uh, maybe you're just new within the past couple weeks and you're, you think you want to get plugged in but you don't really know what to do. I would encourage you, go to the Next Steps class. There's more information listed in your bulletin, but this Next Steps class is designed for you. If, you want, if you're looking for a place to get involved and maybe you haven't got involved yet, um, this Next Steps class is for you. That happens the first Sunday of May, which is also May the 6th, and that will happen back in the chapel. But make sure you sign up for that class. We want to know that you're coming, and uh, especially if you're new, we would love to just get you plugged into the church, and uh, that is the whole purpose of this class. Class. So make sure uh, you sign up for that class. After, also, afterwards in the lobby, um, we are celebrating our 90s and over birthdays. So would you give it up for everybody who's 90 and older? We do this every so often just to celebrate them. So if you see cupcakes out in the lobby, uh, make sure you grab one and uh, say happy birthday. All right? Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. We've got some friends with us today that we're thankful to be here today. Ray Highfield and his wife, Earlene, would you give them a big hand? Ray, come on up. I want you to talk loud right into my cheek. <laughs> I I'm not going to cheat you. Okay. Go ahead and greet everybody. We're just so glad to be here. These are our tremendous longtime friends. And I spoke here many, many years ago. I don't know if some of you remember, but it's just a great honor to be here this morning. We have gone all over the world with, with this man, and what an awesome opportunity and what awesome friends. Amen. And uh, we, the last two years, we have been through some battles, and you guys have been right there with us, and we certainly appreciate your love. We appreciate you and Debbie and all that you mean to us. Well, we love you guys. Ray traveled with us into Russia. He's been to Trinidad with us into Jamaica. And uh, it's been just a, he's a, a great man of God. I want you to get to know him. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me today to John 18 and 36. His wife, Erlene, plays and sings, and we're glad she's here today. God is touching her. I want to, be, before I read the scripture, I want to talk to you today for just a moment about foundations. Everybody say foundations. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, if the foundation be destroyed, what shall we do? So foundations are important. How many of you have ever built a home or had a home built? Wave your hand at me. 
So if you, if, if you saw the guy that was supposed to be doing your foundation and he was out in the middle of it, you know, putting fence posts up, would that trouble you a little bit? You know, so what are you going to do? Well, I thought it'd be, I thought it'd look really neat in your kitchen to have fence posts. Well, wait a minute. I didn't ask you to do that. And I, I know, but I'm laying this foundation and I just, I'm, I'm going to, you want to make sure that the foundation is sure. Or if you saw someone laying a foundation and the fire truck pulled up and they started pumping water out into the middle of your foundation, it might make you a little nervous because you want it to be strong. You want it to be sure. Years ago, I was up in Guatemala. We flew up into a mountain range, and we were trying to lay blocks. And I remember the blocks that we were laying. I, I stood on a block, and it crumbled underneath my feet. And I know I ain't no little fella, but I ain't that big. <laughs> and the thing just, just fell apart. And, and what had happened, it was the way they made it. And, and it was still green, and it hadn't cured out and and I thought how can we build with this so foundations are important having said that I want to read to you from John 18 starting with verse 36 Jesus answered my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews but now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word because it's truth. We just ask today, God, that you would anoint us, Father, Lord, that hearts can be changed. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The last words Pilate said was, I find no fault in him. In Missouri, there is a place called New Madrid. Have you heard of it? New Madrid is known for what? For its fault line, which means there is a fissure in New Madrid. There is a, a line in the earth that is susceptible to cracking. It's already there. And when things shift because of that fault line, it can trigger an earthquake. There is a crack right down the middle of the earth there. But when Pilate looked at Jesus, he said, I find no fault in him. There's no crack in him. There, there's nothing that I can point to to accuse him of. There's, there's no, why have you delivered him to me? Why, why have you brought him before me? There is no fault in him. His, if you'll let me say it this way, his foundation is sure. And now I want you to keep in mind that Pilate is a Roman ruler. He speaks for the strongest country in the world at that time. 
There was no army that was equivalent to the Roman army, and Pilate spoke on their behalf, and he went out and he looked at everyone that was around, and he said, I find no fault with him. And then something strange happens. A man that carried that much power, a man that had that much influence, caves. And he gives in to the crowd around him. He's moved off the foundation that he was standing on for Jesus. He had come out and he had addressed them and with no quiver in his voice, but with the authority of Rome backing him, stood and said, I find no fault in him, but because of the pressure of those around him, he looks around, he washes his hands, and he gives the order for him to be crucified. Man, that's a change, isn't it? I mean, that's a pretty drastic change to go from, I find no fault in him, to all of a sudden, crucify him. What I'm saying to you is this, is that if our, if, if what we stand on, if the foundation we stand on isn't sure, then we are susceptible to be moved off of it. What's the last thing that moved you? Let me just get down to where we're living at. I love God. His word is my foundation. But how many of you know someone that loves God and their word is their foundation and, and they've been moved by peer pressure, by those around them? They, they feel like that the crowd is closing in on them and so they shift and what they stood firm on a moment ago now they're completely stepping off of. There's a fissure, there's a crack, and it's, they're not able to stand. You say, Pastor, you're making me feel bad. I want you to hear me. You're not the first one that ever wrestled with this. So when you feel like someone's trying to move you off your foundation, you need to understand something, that this foundation stands sure. <laughs> that we're built on Christ himself. He's the sure foundation, and you're not the first one that's ever been pushed on or that's ever been challenged. You're not the first one that's ever felt a storm. Peter stood up and looked at Jesus and he said, man, I'll never deny you. I'll die for you right here, right now. And Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny three times that you even know me. It'll never happen. But before the sun rises, Peter is denying Christ and he feels like he's a failure. Just because you feel like you failed doesn't mean he has. And you need to understand something. The ones that he gathers, he's able to keep. <laughs> so turn around and look at your neighbor and say, he's going to keep you. <laughs> he, he's not going to leave you or forsake you, but he's going to keep you even when you're struggling with it. We're all built on something. 
We all have some type of belief system, some, something that we're built on, and it's important for you to understand what you're standing on before the storm comes. Because if you don't know what you're standing on, then you're susceptible to be moved by the storm. Listen to what the Scripture told us in the book of Judges. The Scripture told us, it says that where there's no king, every man does that which is right in his own eyes. Now, how many of you think that'd be a good way to live? To do what's right in your own eyes. I thought about that. I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. And honestly, that's where society's at today. It's about, well, I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes. Well, hey, there ain't nothing wrong with that. All right. Give me your wallet. Well, get, cough it up, man. You don't have one. Go out and get one, fill it up, and bring it back and give it to me. We, you understand what I'm talking about? All of a sudden now, it's like we're, we're, you know, hey, hey, you're sitting in my seat. Need you to get up, move out of my, let me just tell you in front, you ever do that to me and I'm going to tell you to go find another seat. What are you talking about? I'm just telling you that you don't have a right to be able to dictate to someone else's life and tell them who they are or what they should. You, you hear what I'm saying? You've got to know who you are in Christ. If that foundation isn't real for you, it doesn't matter about anybody else. When I do marriage counseling, one of the first things I do is I bring the couple in and I sit down and I say, how come you want to get married? Well, that's not a good answer. <laughs> How come you, here's, here's also not a good answer. Because I only feel like I'm half there without her. Oh, that's real romantic, but that don't work. As a matter of fact, I told him, I said, well, then you don't need to get married. I said, look, if you're not a whole person before you get married, you don't need to be tying the knot with somebody else because when you, if, if you're only half there, when you multiply fractions, you don't get more, you get less. A half times a half isn't a whole, it's a fourth. So you've got to be a whole person. You need to have a relationship with God. You need to know who you are in Christ. And so when you know who you are and your, your fiancé knows who they are, one times one is and the scripture said that the two shall be one flesh. See, we've got to come together on who we are. And that's what the devil's always trying to push. He's always trying to get you to question who you are. If you, he did it to Jesus. If you're the son of God, you've got to make sure that your foundation is sure. Because if it's not, then we come susceptible to anything. John 1 and 1, in the beginning, everybody say it with me, in the beginning. The scripture said, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. That's the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and, full of grace and, if anybody ever tells you this is a fable, it's because they've never read the book. <laughs> it's full of grace and truth. I'm going to prove some things to you, I hope. John 1 and 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through 
Jesus Christ. Listen to what Jesus says. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. How many of you ever felt like you weren't free? You know what I'm talking about? You've you, you got friends around you that are pulling at you. You've got all sorts of, you know, trying to speak into you, trying to tell you what you ought to do and what you ought not to do, and, and you'll be free. You'll be free from the tug of the world. You'll be free from all those. That doesn't mean that the devil doesn't come knocking. But when he knocks, you just look at him and say, keep it knocking, but you can't come in. <laughs> don't, don't let him in because you understand who you are. Our foundation is his word. Everybody say his word. Let's talk about his word for a second. The Bible wasn't written as a novel, and it's not one book. It's manuscripts. It's a series of manuscripts that were written over a period of 1,500 years. I want you to get this because folks think somebody wrote down and wrote the Bible and, and turned it in, and they said, oh, that's just somebody's story they made up. No, this was written, the, these writings stretched out over 1,500 years. They were written by 40 different authors in 13 different countries in three different continents. Their, the author's backgrounds differed. There were doctors, fishermen, shepherds, soldiers, kings, princes. Some were rich, some were poor, some were educated, and some were uneducated. Most of these folks didn't even know each other. Some of them lived hundreds of years apart from one another. But they wrote it, people gathered it together, and it formed a book called the Bible. And these 40 different authors that wrote over a period of 1,500 years that were from all different backgrounds, from 13 countries on three different continents, all wrote about the same thing. Wow. <laughs> now tell me, <laughs> tell me that's a coincidence. That's an impossibility. That, my friend, is the hand of God. That's why the Scripture says that, it, that the Word is God-breathed. God didn't write it, but he inspired men. He breathed into men, and they wrote, and it gathered together. And there's a central theme, and it's Jesus Christ and the redemption of man. So if there's one thing that you need to understand, that it's God was set on saving you. Turn around, look at you, and say, God's going to save you whether you like it or not. <laughs> I mean, think about it, man. The apostle Paul was Saul. He's on his way to Damascus to get letters, you know, and he's going to bind up a bunch of folks like us, throw us in prison, have us cast out, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up, a bright light shines, and he said, Saul, Saul. Now, you can argue with me all you want to, but try arguing with that. He fell on the ground, and who, who, who oh, there ain't nothing there. <laughs> If you've been knocked down and you can't see, there's something there. <laughs> and he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, who you're persecuting. You see, 
Jesus takes it personal. When they attack you, they're attacking him. Don't you ever feel like you're alone? <laughs> he said, I'm, Jesus wasn't even alive. That, well, he was alive. Let me rephrase that. He wasn't on the earth then. But his response to Saul or to Paul was, I'm Jesus of Nazareth who you're persecuting. You need to know you're not on your own. He stands with you. You've got something to stand on. Everybody say, I'm going to stand on the word. Jesus teaches us in Matthew 7, starting with verse 24. He said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. What's that saying? It's saying there's no in-between here. You understand, you either believe his word or you don't. There's no in-between. There's no, well, I'm trying to make up my mind. Somebody said, I'm an atheist. It means you don't believe. I'm a believer. You believe. I'm an agnostic. No, you're not. <laughs> if not according to Jesus, there's no room for that. You either believe what he said and your house will stand, or you're not going to embrace it and your house will fall. Because there is no in-between with God. Somebody looked at me one time and said, you know what your problem is? I said, what's that? <laughs> you're a fanatic. I said, you're right, I'm crazy about God. <laughs> I can't help it. I... <laughs> I'm telling you the truth, man. I was working a secular job. And they, they, they sent word out from the front office and told me, somebody come and told me and said, the plant manager said all this talk about God is going to stop out here. I smiled at him. I said, you can have my job, but you can't have my testimony. I'm not going to stop. I, I'm going to tell it wherever I'm at, whenever I can, because he's alive, he's well, and he changed my life forever. James, come up here a second. Think about it. If all of a sudden I drank poison and somebody handed me an antidote and I'm well, save me. And then I know it works. He drinks poison. Here, drink this. No. Drink it. No. I said drink it. <laughs> We don't get to do that, do we? We'd like to sometimes, thank you. We'd like to. That's what happens sometimes. That's, that's why when people get a little overzealous. <laughs> look, I, I, let me just tell you where my tent is pitched on this. I'd rather be in the camp of being overzealous than in the camp of not showing any enthusiasm at all. <laughs> I'd rather have somebody walk away from this church saying, you know, that pastor is just a little too excited for me than to walk away from here saying, you know, that guy's so dead, man. I... 
What are you saying? I'm saying there's a reality to God. And until it becomes reality for you, no matter what anybody says, it's not going to matter. You have to choose. Everybody say you. As much as I want to give you the antidote for sin, David said, thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. What's he saying? He's saying the word of God will keep you. <laughs> the word, let, let me just tell you a few things that the word is. Can I share that with you for a moment? See, Corinthians tells us, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3 and 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to pick a fight. I'm stating a truth that it's an impossibility to get to heaven except through Jesus. Except through Jesus. It's not going to happen. Well, what about all the other things? And you're not tolerant. Well, let me turn the tables on that for a second. Let me talk about basketball. So let's say in basketball that one of the teams that are in the conference has been trained by a coach that tells them it's all right to double dribble. You can double dribble. It's okay. Then they get to the conference and they're acting out on what they've been taught. And they keep getting the whistle blown on them. Hold it! And the coach marches out and says, I told my team it was all right if they double dribbled. Do you think the ref's going to look at him and say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know that, okay. The ref's going to look at him and say, I don't care what you told your team. There is a book that has the rules in it, and you can't disobey the rule. This game is played, a oh, look out now. Somebody said, well, where's the rule book at? I'm glad you asked. It's not my word, it's his word. It's not my opinion, it's his statement. He, whoever the sun sets free is what? Free indeed. It amazes me how everybody wants to write their own scripture. Think about it. We would have, we've got enough translations of the Bible without you adding your personal one. Thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not steal except for Rick, and it's okay if he does. Thou shalt, you, you will love your neighbor as yourself, unless they've been mean to you, then spit in her eye. You can't do that. But it happens all the time. We just don't see it. We, it, it happens, but it's very sneaky the way that they do it. Everybody say sneaky snake. You remember that? In the garden, the serpent just showed up and said, hey, you eat that tree, you're not going to die. It's going to be okay. Well, he got exposed. So ever since then, we've had sneaky snakes. How many of you remember that song, Sneaky Snake? Well, I just told how old I am. <laughs> so there, there, are, there, there are all these, it's okay. It's okay. Somebody said one time, said, look, said it's like going to Philadelphia. Some may take a bus, some may take a train, some may take a plane, but we're all headed to the same place. 
That's true if you're going to Philadelphia. <laughs> but there's only one way to get to heaven. <laughs> His name is Jesus. You ain't going to Philadelphia. We're talking about heaven. I'm, I'm amazed. Let me tell you what the Word will do. The Word is a life changer. The Scripture says in Romans 10 and 17, So then faith cometh by hearing what? The Word of God. It changed my life. That's how I found faith. Somebody preached the Word. And I love the fact, man, look, here's my Scripture, that he uses us the foolishness of preaching. Because if I had to be an orator, I'd be in trouble. <laughs> if I had to be able to speak eloquently and capture your attention with my hyperbolibles. <laughs> I know what the word is. Hyperbole. With, with my, I, I, just, I just, Paul said, I didn't come to you in men's wisdom, but in power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. But it changed my life forever. When I heard the word, when I first started reading the Bible, when, after I got saved, when I, I turned to 18 and I got into the Word, I couldn't read it fast enough. But this is what happened right before that happened. I picked it up, started reading it, and I set it down. I said, God, I don't even understand that. How, how can, I mean, you're going to have to give me, and, and look, I, I was from sincerity of heart. I got down on my knees and I said, God, please. I can't understand it. I need you to help me. Help me understand. I spent about 10 minutes in that prayer, and God is my witness. When I picked that book back up, it felt like there was a wind blowing on me, and I couldn't read it fast enough. Everything changed. Now, that was before they had the NLT. That was when the only thing they had was the King James, and that was so I was trying to wade through all that language and understand. But the Scripture said the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. So when people are reading it from a carnal perspective and they look and all they see is everything that they can't do, and they say, man, that's killing me. But when you give your heart to God and you open it up and you start reading it, it sounds like a love letter. And it gives you life. It brings new meaning to you. Everybody say, it's a life changer. It's our moral compass. Again, David talks about that, thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? So I won't sin against you. It keeps us. But if your compass is broken, if you don't have a moral compass, then you don't know where you're at. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, do you know where you're at? Well, yeah, I'm sitting next to you. So the question is, it's not where I'm at, where are you at? Well, I'm sitting next to you. The Bible says the blind lead the blind, they both fall into a ditch. Somebody better know where they're at. 
So it keeps us. It's our moral compass. There is a right and a wrong. Despite the fact that society is trying. Here's the problem. is that the church is trying to embrace the culture and become more like the culture. We're not supposed to become like the culture. We're supposed to transform our culture. We're supposed to be light and darkness. I'm not talking about that we're supposed to be, well, that's right. We're not supposed to embrace the culture. Get rid of those laptops. Bless God. It didn't say not to embrace technology. He said, be not conformed to this world, but transformed how? By your, the renewing of your mind. What's he saying? Don't conform to the way this world thinks. I've got a whole new way of thinking for you. He said, my ways aren't your ways. They're high above that. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, he's smarter than you. And I say this, he's smarter than me. I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about God. God is smarter than we are. The word is our GPS. What's that stand for? Isn't that something we all got when we don't know what we got? Global positioning system. I hope that's right, I just made it up. Is that right? Global positioning system. If that's not what it stands for, it ought to stand for it. In other words, your GPS can let you know where, exactly where you are at any given moment. If you don't believe me, how many of you got a smartphone? If you go into the settings on your smartphone, and you may not be aware of this, but there is a setting that tracks you. And if you haven't shut it off, you can open up that setting and it will tell you every place you've been for the past several years. His word is able to let us know right where we're at with him. His word is able to let us know when we're wrong and when we're not. How many of you have ever gotten in an argument with your wife and you turned out to be wrong? Hold, hold your hand up. Wives, hold your hand up if that's happened. Yeah, see, all the women. No, no. <laughs> what are you saying? I hate when that happens. I don't like arguments to begin with, but I hate to be wrong. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, he don't want to be wrong. Well, you, you see you're wrong, don't you? <laughs> I might be wrong, but... I had the best argument. <laughs> I may be wrong, but I articulated it better than you. I may be wrong, but at least I had a conviction of being wrong. Let me ask you something. At the end of your life, when you stand before God, do you want to be right or wrong? It doesn't matter how articulate you were. It doesn't matter how well you presented your argument. Because if you're going to stand and try and argue before the one that spoke this world into existence, your argument's not going to hold water. Can I cause you to understand that this is our GPS? It lets us know where we're at at all times. Psalms 119 and 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet 
and a light to my path. It directs us. How many of you have ever gotten up in the middle of the night, go into the kitchen to get a drink of water or go to the restroom, and you decide that you could navigate your way without turning the light on? How many of you know that the landscape of your house sometimes changes? <laughs> Who put that couch there? Have you ever walked around a corner and smacked the wall with your shoulder? <laughs> Debbie, you've been moving these walls again, haven't you? It's never my fault. Never are. Do you understand? This is a foundation that stands sure. He's not moving on you. He's not shifting his word. It's forever settled in heaven. What happens is we get our eyes off the light, and when we are not walking in the light, we can't see where we're at. And so we end up hurting and harming ourselves. It's not because of him, because he loves you. He said, it's not my will that any should perish but all have everlasting life. He loves you. Can he keep you? Let me tell you something about this. It's powerful. Everybody say powerful. Hebrews 4 and 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. What's that mean? It means it's powerful. <laughs> Turn around, look at your name and say, this is powerful. Let me, let me illustrate my point. Conversation between Jesus and the devil. Devil, if you're the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. The devil will always try and get you to prove who you are. I got nothing to prove. He proved it at Calvary for me. Because if you, if you start buying into that philosophy and the devil says, okay, jump this high, and you jump that high, he said, okay, now jump higher. Now go higher. Don't let him have you like a trained dog on a leash. Jesus looked at him and he said, could, let me ask a question. Could Jesus have turned stones into bread? Absolutely. But he looks at the devil. Look, I got nothing to prove to you. He said, it's written. Man, everybody say that with me. Man shall not live by bread alone. What was he doing? He was thinking of us. He was saying, look, if I let you do this to me, then you're going to do it to my kids, and I'm not going to let you do that. So I'm telling you right now that it is written, man, I'm not facing you as the son of God. I'm facing you as the son of man, and the son of man is able to defeat you when he stands on the word. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So he takes him up to a pinnacle on the temple and he said, it's written that he'll give his angels charge concerning you to bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. So jump. Jesus looked at him and said, it's also written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So then he brings out the big guns, takes him up to a mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. See, the devil doesn't like to share, but he's willing to if you'll worship him. And so he 
lays all this out and looks at Jesus and said, all this I'll give you if you'll just bow down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan. For it's written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall you serve. And what happened after that? The scripture said that the, the devil left. If you'll stand on the word, he'll leave. If you'll hang on to the word, he'll leave. The whole discourse was for us so that we can understand when we stand on his word, he'll leave. If he doesn't leave the first time, stand on his word. If he doesn't leave the second time, stand on his word. If he doesn't leave the third time, stand on his word. His word is a sure foundation. Now, the scripture warns us that there's going to come a day, and I think honestly that we're in it. It says Amos in, in Amos 8 and 11, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. It's important that you see what the prophet said. He didn't say that there would be a famine of speaking the words of the Lord. He said there'd be a famine of hearing the words. It's not that they're not being spoken. It's that they're not being heard. Now, Paul knew this was coming, and so look what he tells Timothy. He says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires and look for teachers who'll tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. He tells him, he said, don't be naive. There are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous of parents, Crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog, -dog, unbending, slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, addicted to lust and allergic to God. They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they're animals. Stay clear of these people. That came from the message, in case you're wondering. What's it saying? He said, look, it's going to happen. But just because it happens doesn't mean you have to fall victim to it. I want you to think about at the beginning when in Noah's day, it said the whole world, man, every, every man's imagination was evil continually. Can you imagine not having the capability of thinking a good thought? Always evil, always thinking about what can I do to them? I've met some folks like that. <laughs> what can I, how can I? But the scripture said that Noah found Grace. Oh, wait a minute. The Bible said that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Noah found grace. This is, this is several thousand years before Jesus comes. But in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh. The foundation has always been sure. His word. Everybody say his word. Listen to James. I'm, I'm getting ready to wrap up. Everybody say praise God. <laughs> James 1 and 21. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. 
Boy, that, that's, I mean, there's no bones about that, is there? How many of you have ever had any filth and evil in your life? If you don't have your hand up, you're lying. The Bible said all have sinned and come short of glory of God. That's one of the problems. We don't want to confess anything. We don't want to admit that we're not perfect. I'm willing to admit that my wife is wonderful. <laughs> and I'm not perfect. I, look, folks, we all struggle. I mean, I, I can't stand it when all of a sudden religion enters a room. and so, You know, the, we, we've got all this you know, fake baloney, praise the Lord, brother. Oh, praise God, how you doing? I'm wonderful and highly favored. Do you talk like that at home? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, be real. People need to see, people need to know that we're all cut from the same cloth. That I'm not more special. Now, sometimes some of us embrace him more than others. And that is special. Because you can have as much of God as you want. It's not up to me. It's up to you. It's kind of like when you, how many of you have ever eaten until you were sick? Why did you keep eating? Because it tasted good. The scripture said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Folks, I have gorged myself on God before. To the point that they carried me out of the building one night. Uh, you know, the, here's, here's the odd thing to me. If you do that in the world, they call it drunk, and they don't think anything about it. Oh, we had to pack him home. He had too much to drink. Do it in church, and everybody goes, well, that's fanatical. <laughs> How much do you want of God? I'm telling you that we've got to stand on his word, and we need to make it sure he said, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept. Everybody say humbly. Accept the word of God, the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But people say, the Bible is so old. We need a new way of thinking. The newest and the shiniest isn't always what we need. Go ahead and roll the clip, please. The problem is when the capsule moves from an elliptical orbit to a parabolic orbit. There's no mathematical formula for that. Because we can calculate launch and landing, but without this conversion, the capsule stays in orbit. We can't bring it back home. Maybe we've been thinking about this all wrong. How's that? Maybe it's not new math at all. It could be old math. Something that looks at the problem numerically and not theoretically. Math is always dependable. For you it is. Or 
Euler's method. Euler's method? Yes. That's ancient. But it works. It works numerically. he said he said maybe we're looking at this all wrong maybe we don't need a new math maybe what we need is something old and she looked and she said the Oilers method this by the way is a true story and if it hadn't been for that lady the rocket would have never got out of orbit and she said Maybe it's the, the Oilers method. And what did the guy say? Well, that's ancient. Said, yeah, but it works. What's your point, Pastor? I don't need a new book. I don't need a new method. You say, but this is ancient. It dates back. People have tried to destroy it. Voltaire said within a hundred years, it will no longer exist. He died, and they turned his home into a printing press for the Word of God. It's ancient, but it works. It's not mine. It's not your word. It's his word. Would you stand with me? His word. Let me ask a question. When's the last time you got excited about reading the Bible? <laughs> There's one person over there that's excited about it. Let me... Let, let me see if I can explain the why. I had a young man in my office this past week, and I was counseling with him, and I asked him, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, when you read the Bible, do you understand it? He said, not so much. Sometimes, yes, sometimes no. And I asked him, I said, would it help you if I just, I'm not, not through reading scripture, but if I just communicate it to you, God's plan from the beginning. He said, yes, I, I think it would. And so I just began to tell him. Without the these and the thous. Folks, when you meet people in the street, they're not going to give you enough time to go get your King James Version out. This means in the Greek, Hebrew, you've got to get it in here so they can hear the word. A famine, not of speaking, but of hearing. Now, given some people don't want to hear, I understand that. But I don't want to ascribe all the blame to them. Because sometimes the reason they can't hear is because we do such a lousy job of explaining.
When I got saved and I started to go on the field, this was my prayer. God, I'm asking you to use me in your gifts. I want to be used in the gifts. I said, but more important than any of the gifts, I'm asking you to let your word come alive in my heart so I can cause it to come alive in the hearts of others. We've got to stand on this. It troubles me when I hear ministers saying, well, I think, well, I don't believe that Mary was actually a virgin. Well, why are you preaching? What are you doing standing behind a pulpit if you don't believe the word? I'm telling you, it's ancient, but it's true. Well, but you know, we've got science. <laughs> yeah, we've had it for a long time. And science always keeps proving the Word of God. Science said the world was flat. The Word of God said He sits on the circle of the earth. Science said that there's literally this was science that there's too much blood in the human body. That's why sometimes when you got sick, they would call they, there was a practice that they called letting blood. And they would they would literally bleed you out, let blood out of you, and they thought that by doing that they were getting the sickness out of you. It's why George Washington died. George Washington got sick, he had pneumonia, and they they in that weakened condition they let blood out of him and he died but if they'd bother to look in here it said that life is in the blood i don't run after science to prove the word science just keeps proving it for me over and over and over again His word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here's what I'm asking you. Will you let the word come alive to you? Pastor, it's so hard to understand. No, no there, look, there are translations like the NLT that aren't hard to understand at all. They're, they're readily available and they're there for you. All you've got to do is take time to read. Get the Word in you. And if you'll get it in you, He'll pull it out of you to help others. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen my wife in a public place quote a scripture to someone and they break down and start crying. And I'm thinking, that's not right. You shouldn't be able to do that. I, I take time. You know, I preach to people for 45 minutes. Somebody said, I wish. <laughs> I, I, I have to, you know, work them into it. And what's, why, why does that work? Because she believes that the Word is so powerful 
that it's able to stand on its own. <laughs> the idea that I need to defend the Word of God is like saying I need to defend a lion. That lion is well able to take care of itself. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So this is what this is what I'm going to ask you to do today. I just want right where you're at, I just want you to grab a hold of the hand of the person standing next to you. And I want you to make a commitment. I'm not going to ask you to write it down or anything. I'm just asking you to make a commitment. Look at the person whose hand you're holding and say this with me. Now, some of you are going to have to say it twice. But just, just look at him and say, I'm going to get into the Word. And, and I'm going to ask him to let the Word get into me. And you know what's going to happen? You are going to experience joy unspeakable and full of glory. You're going to begin to look at your circumstance differently. Something's going to happen and you're going to look at it and instead of beginning to gripe and complain, you're going to look over at your wife or your husband or your friend and you're going to say, he'll do it again. If I could sing, I'd sing. He'll do it again. Let me pray with you right now. Would you hold your hands? Everybody get, get the hand of the person who they stand next to. Father, we come to you today as a family hungry for your word to come alive in us as individuals. God, I know that you're doing something special and unique here. And people are coming in. But God, we want answers to be able to give them. You said that we ought to have an answer for every man. The answer's in your word. Please let your word come alive in us. Fill me with it. Give me a hunger for it. Let me go after it with a passion. God, then use me to change the lives of others. And I'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Come on, give me a hand clap of praise in this house. Now, if you need prayer, we've got prayer partners that will be up front here to pray with you. I'll be here to pray with you, but I need you. Look, if there's one thing, I, this was so much on my heart this week. And if there's one thing I want you to get is this. God doesn't want a church that doesn't know what he said. He wants us to apply ourselves. You are going to be the only lifeline some people ever come in contact with. And if the rope that you throw is too short, you're never going to be able to save them. So let him enlarge your territory. Let him make your mind and your heart bigger. Let the word cause you to grow. 
like you've never grown before. God bless you today. He's made you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. He's blessing you going out and coming in. We love you here. We look forward to seeing you next week. We hope you've been touched by today's message. I wanted to take a moment and just remind you how very much God loves you. The Apostle Peter tells us that it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In the book of Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, God speaks through the prophet and tells us that I know what my plans are for you, that they're plans for good and not for destruction, to give you a future and a hope. That's what God wants for your life. He has a plan and a purpose designed specifically for you. And you can walk into that plan and purpose by just asking him in your heart today. I wonder if you'd take a moment right now and just stop wherever you're at and pray this prayer with me. God, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. Lord, I believe that Jesus was crucified on my behalf, that you raised him from the dead so that I could have life. And right now, I accept you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it from your heart, we believe that angels are rejoicing in heaven because you've come home. Now the important thing is for you to find a good Bible-believing church and become a part of that as you continue your journey with Jesus. We want to invite you to come and be with us any chance you get. Until then, remember, Jesus loves you and we do too.